Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, episode 35. We are in a war. Are you acting like it? This is part two in a three-part series, and it stems from Ephesians chapter 6. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So whether we like it or not, we are soldiers in a spiritual war. And there's three things that we need to understand in order to be good soldiers. Number one, uh, last week we covered this, we are literal soldiers. Who we are is vitally important that we understand. It is a literal war of good against evil. So today we're going to go over the second thing that we need to know, which is who is our enemy. And then next week, we're going to cover what is our ultimate goal or purpose if we have a military strategy in this war, right? What is our end game? So that's what we'll cover next week. Uh, Today, who is the enemy? There's basically two enemies that we have. Uh, We have the spiritual and we have the physical. The spiritual enemy that we face is number one, Satan himself. And he literally comes after specific humans. He will target us. So if you look at 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So the Bible tells us Satan himself as a single entity actually hunts human beings. Number two, we know that uh, Satan is the ruler of a dark kingdom. He's actually in charge. Matthew 12, 22 says, then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb. And he, Jesus healed him insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, is not this the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, this fellow does not cast out devils except for by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? So Jesus acknowledged that Satan was the leader of his own kingdom and had people, princes and such, that went out and did his bidding. Now, Where did Satan come from? Well, Satan was in heaven, okay? And his end state is going to be hell. Revelations 12, 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought and his angels, and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. See, he gets kicked out, right? And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. My personal opinion on this is that this happened somewhere in the beginning of time, maybe during the Garden of Eden time period at the beginning of creation. He was cast to the earth and his angels cast out with him. Now, that's my opinion, but we do need to understand that he was a heavenly creature. He was an angel. His angels were cast out with him. And then uh, Luke ten eighteen, Jesus said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So he's letting them know, hey, I've seen Satan fall. So the idea of demons in this world actually comes from angels who have fallen. 
And then one of the attributes of Satan is actually not that he's scary. He doesn't have a red horn and tails. He's actually beautiful and enticing. Second Corinthians eleven fourteen says, and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So this is where you have false teachers, people who follow Satan, but actually put themselves in places as ministers, as Christians, as good people, as benevolent people who care for others, ministers of righteousness, right? But they are actually Satan's angels and Satan's workers as far as humans go. Angel of light. That is the key thing. A lot of people think that Satan is scary and it'll be obvious when you see him, but it's not. He entices people with goodness and with beauty. So that is the first enemy that we have is Satan himself. Then we have his demons. So we have his demons, which were powerful angels that used to be in heaven. So again, we look at the fall of angels in the book of Revelations, um, going back to 12, verse 3, and there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. This is a metaphor. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So the reason we know this is a metaphor is because of the context and what he is talking about here. If there was a cosmic dragon that swept the stars out of the sky, a third part of the stars of heaven and did cast them to the earth, what are stars? Stars are suns in the galaxies. So if he cast a sun to the earth or actually a third part of the suns, the earth would have been destroyed and burnt up. So this is a metaphor. What is it talking about? Well, you look elsewhere in scripture and it talks about the stars of heaven being angels or God's sons, the sons of God. So there are a lot of different descriptions of angels, but stars of heaven is one of the ones that is used most commonly. If you look at the next couple of verses that said the great red dragon is the devil and Satan then you can clearly see that this is a metaphor telling us what happened. So if the dragon drew a third part of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth, the conclusion is that a third of the angels in heaven followed Satan in the revolt and God cast them to the earth. These one third of the angels that God had created are now servants of Satan or demons. Okay, so they have the same capabilities as angels because they are angels. And the important thing to remember here when we fight, when we are in this war, is that if only a third of them fell to earth as demons, how many are left? Well, two thirds, right? So for every one demon that there is on earth, there are two angels in heaven that can help us fight. So keep that in mind when we talk about spiritual warfare. We already outnumber the enemy three to one. You, two angels, and then of course, God has got your back. So there's no way we can lose this war. It's it's crazy if you think about it and the terror that people have about demons when in fact we have the advantage. So one thing to remember about them though is they do attack humans and even possess them. 
right? Demon possession. A lot of times uh, it gives them superhuman strength. You look at Mark 5 uh, verse 2, and this is talking about Jesus coming with his disciples. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him. No, not with chains because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and the chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. So you think men of the city come out, capture this guy and chain him up and he just breaks him. No big deal. No man can tame him. Right? So it's because of those demons that were in him. And later he tells you it's a legion of demons that actually gave him physical strength in this world. So when demon possession happens, a lot of strange things happen. Jesus warns us about demons, not to leave our soul empty. Uh, Matthew 12, 43 says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Then this demon says, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And here's the thing. If you get rid of something evil, you must replace it with something good. Same thing with bad habits. If you stop a bad habit, you have to replace it with a good habit or you end up falling back into it, right? So this demon says, I, he comes back after wandering around, after leaving this person. And when he has come, he finds it empty, swept and garnished. Basically, the soul of that person is empty. There's nothing there. Then he goeth and taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. Jesus is warning you, if you cast out a demon, if you had a demon in you, you better fill your soul with something, right? Or the demon's going to come back with even more and you're going to be worse off than before. Now, here's what you have to do. Ephesians 5, 17 says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you are filled with the spirit of God, the Holy ghost, if you are a Christian and you have your faith in Jesus Christ, you have the Holy spirit in you. There's no room for demons. You are safe. So that's what you have to do is be filled with the spirit. And then you are safe from these demon possessions. Now it's not just demon possession. They also attack humans. Here's something to think about. Demons have been around since, you know, whenever God created angels. So before Adam and Eve, thousands and thousands of years for all of human history, they have been watching humans, testing humans, poking at us to seeing how we react they know how humans react to almost every stimulus that you can possibly think of. If you think of, say, a husband and wife that have been married for 40 years and something happens on, on a movie or TV or, or they see something in public and the wife looks at the husband and you'll, you'll see the husband automatically knows what the wife is thinking. And he's like, yeah, you're right. Or they laugh together because they're both thinking the same thing, right? After just 20, 30, 40 years, human beings are able to know pretty much exactly what another human is thinking. Think how the demons are after thousands of years of studying humans and watching us. They know exactly what buttons to push to get us to do what they want. So demons actually attack humans 
mentally, physically, spiritually, in every way, because they know us better than we know ourselves. And that's a scary thought. So here's what you have to think about. You have to respond differently than what a normal human would respond to things that are pushing your buttons. So for instance, um, my wife and I have finally reached the point where when we get in a fight, if one of us realizes that this is a stupid fight, there's got to be something else going on. Maybe there's a demon involved trying to push our buttons to come between us, right? So what we'll say is in the middle of the fight, we'll say, hold on, there's something else going on here. And we both know that's like code for us that maybe it's a spiritual battle here. Maybe we need to shut up. It's not really about who put away the fork the wrong way in the drawer or whatever the fight might be about, right? So a lot of times we will stop in the midst of a fight and sit there and think about it spiritually as opposed to physically. And then we can come back with a Bible verse or prayer or we just calm down because we immediately realize it's not us that's really fighting. There's somebody trying to push our buttons. So here's an example, how demons control humans and affect them, right? Job, if you haven't read it, read the book of Job. His sons and daughters were killed by a tornado or wind is what the Bible says. Knocked down the house on them and killed them. Uh, his servants and sheep were killed by fire from heaven. Two different uh, foreign groups invaded his land, waged war on him, stole his flocks and killed all his servants, save one, the Sabians and the Chaldeans. Think about this, what happened here in context of what Job chapter one says, starting in verse six. Now there was a day when the sons of God, there you go, angels, came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Haven't you made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he has on every side? You've blessed the works of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But if you put forth your hand now and touch all that he has, he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Only upon himself, put not forth your hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And then those things happened. That means that Satan had power to bring fire from heaven. I don't know if that means lightning or, or meteorites or, or what. I don't know. But he brought fire from heaven to kill people. He had control of the wind to tear down a house. He was able to incite two different nations or warlords or whatever, the Sabians and the Chaldeans. He was able to get them to attack him on the same day. Satan had control of human beings' actions and the wind and fire. That's crazy. It gets even worse. He physically attacked Job's body. Job 2 verse 1 said, Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, have you considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that fears God and eschews evil? And still he holdeth fast his integrity, though thou movest me against him to destroy him without cause. And Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin, yea, all that a man has, he will give for his life. 
but put forth your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh and he will curse you to your face. And the Lord said unto Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Satan has the capability to cause disease, whether it's parasites or, or bacteria. I don't know what causes boils, but he was able to physically harm Job's body. And yet God restrained him and would not let him kill Job. All right. So there was another attack. Now, another thing that demons can do is they can attack spiritually. First Chronicles 21, one, and Satan stood up against Israel and provoked King David to number Israel. When he convinced David to do this, Satan was directly going against God. So how did he do it? Well, he attacked David's weakness, his faith in God versus his own strength. So Satan will attack your weaknesses and convince you to do something that you shouldn't do to sin against God. Um, God judged King David for doing that, for falling into those uh, temptations. Now, the thing about angels, them being able to control nature, remember the wind that killed Job's children, fire that killed his servants. There's another one in Revelation 7, 1. It says, and after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. So just another proof that God has given angels power over the wind, right? So we know that they can control nature to attack us at times. Now, one of the things that they do have control over, I mentioned uh, with the boils is they have control over diseases. Second uh, Samuel 24, 15 said, so the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning, even to the time appointed and their diet and pestilence literally means disease. Okay. And there died of the people from Dan, even to Beersheba, 70,000 men. And when the angel stretched out his hand upon Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord repented him of the evil and said to the angel that destroyed the people, it is enough. Stay now thine hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing place of Arunah, the Jebusite. The angel of the Lord was destroying the people with a pestilence. 70,000 men died. God has specific positions and powers that he gives to his angels. Again, the demons were God's angels. Now they follow Satan. So they still have the same power and abilities. Now they do have also a hierarchy, kind of think of the military rank structure. There are different authorities in the uh, spiritual world. So Daniel talks about how Daniel had prayed and asked God for help. And then eventually here in chapter 10, verse 12, it says that an angel came to him and began speaking to him. Then he said unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard and I came for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes came to help me and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now I come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is many days. And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grisha shall come. So very clearly, there are evil princes, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood him. And then a good prince, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help him. And then he was going to go back to fight yet again with the prince of Persia. 
And when he left Daniel, he said, the prince of Grisha shall come. So there are kingdoms and ruling princes over the different angels and demons. Here's another example. Revelations 9, 1, it says, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. <clears throat> and he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air was darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit, and there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. And unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And then verse 11, and they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. The angels and demons have princes, and they have kings ruling over them. All right, and here's where I think it's important as far as my military mindset goes. If they have a rank structure, that means they have certain authorities and powers over them that restrain them and tell them what they can and cannot do. Some of these appear to be princes and and kings over certain regions maybe just moving to a different country or a different state or a different area will take you out of their kingdom and remove their authority to follow you and attack you just a thought anyway the point is they have a rank structure okay well that's enough for today we'll go ahead and pause here and continue on with archangels and who the second enemy is in our next uh, episode. Thank you for listening and God bless you.